Today's reading is from St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. We'll be reading verses 17 to 34, and then 46 to 52. Mark 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man rang up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false witness, you shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Jesus predicts his death a third time. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Verse 46. 
blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That long reading. Um, uh, uh, as you know, my name is Pete Woodcock. I'm pastor at Cornerstone Church. I bring uh, greetings from Cornerstone Church uh, to you. We actually pray for you nearly every week. Can't say every week, but nearly every week, uh, we we start with uh, praying for you uh, and other local churches. And uh, it's a great joy to know Bart. Bart's preached at Cornerstone, and he's done our men's breakfasts and stuff. So. There's a lot of contact there. And of course, we're doing together Mark Drama. And if you haven't booked up, you please, please book up. It's, it's, it is brilliant. Um, it's very hard to describe, but it's basically all the words of Mark's gospel, except chapter 13, because that's quite a div- difficult chapter um, to do. But um, it's all of the words of Mark's gospel, all just sort of done, spoken around you. No one dresses up. Uh, there's, there's only one prop at the end, which is a hammer and a nail, uh, and yet it really works. You get, in an hour and a half, the whole of Mark's... It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And that's why I've chosen Mark to preach on. So we're here in Mark 10. Keep your Bible open there, because we're going to look at some verses that we haven't read as well. Um, uh, we're we're uh, starting a, a mission in, uh, in our church in, in November, starting off with Mark's Gospel. We've, I think we've got... I think we've got 63 events on where we're trying to invite people to come and hear something about the Lord Jesus Christ. Many years ago, as I was sort of thinking about that, that many years ago, um, we used to have a sort of sentence where we stopped uh, uh, sort of people in the street to try to get them to think about spiritual things or God or Jesus. And some of you may know this sentence. I think it was from something called evangelism explosion or something like that but the sentence was in your face actually it was quite a you know you'd stop people and you'd say if you were to die tonight do you remember that one if you were to die tonight and God said to you why should I let you into heaven what would you say now it's a blunt sentence but it's a good one isn't it if you were to die tonight and you face God and he says why why should I let you into heaven what would you say? Brilliant, really. I'm, I'm thinking about bringing that back 
uh, as a sentence to use. But that's what's really going on here. It's answering that question. How do you become a member of the kingdom of God? How could you, and it's you, how could you enter heaven? How can you be assured that when you die, and we've just heard about funerals, that actually that's where those people are, that's where you would be, in heaven. Now it seems to me that most people still think sort of like this. Badness, or being bad, excludes me from heaven. Therefore, being good is the thing that will include me. In other words, we're fairly optimistic about human beings and ourselves. If only we could be re-educated, re-taught, reinvigorated, religious-ified, or whatever the word is, if, if, or, or if Jesus would come and just tell us some rules and things to do, then actually I'll change my life, or I'll try and be good, or I'll give generously to the poor, or I'll go on some kind of pilgrimage, holy pilgrimage, or I'll become religious, or I'll be nice to my neighbor, or whatever. Then if I could do that, then I'll go to heaven. I just need to sort of smarten up a little bit. And in a very real sense, all religions have their root and their unity in that. Something you must do, something you must achieve, failures you must put aside in order to somehow please God to get on his side. See what I'm saying? If you were to die tonight, and God said to you, why should I let you in heaven? You want to start saying, well, I did this good thing here. Or I went on this pilgrimage here. Or I sacrificed this. Or I tried to obey the rules. Here in Mark, we see Jesus saying how someone gets into the kingdom of God. How they get right. And it's the whole theme throughout this chapter, actually. Just have a look at verses 13 to 16. It's the story about children being brought to Jesus and the disciples stopping, trying to stop the children come to Jesus. And then you read these words in verse 14. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So he's talking about the kingdom of God. You've got to receive the kingdom of God like a little child or you'll not enter it. And then in verse 16, it says, he blessed the children. And that's a word that's full of all kinds of Bible stuff. Blessed doesn't just mean, you know, when someone sneezes and you go, bless you. Actually, why do we do that? They've just sent their COVID everywhere and we go, thank you very much. We should curse them. But anyway, um, but here, blessing doesn't mean just like a bless you say when someone sneezes. Bless means uh, coming into the rest of God. It's knowing all that God has made for us. It's to do with rest. Blessed. Knowing God. So that's the first story. Look at the second story about the rich man that we had read to us. You get that in 17 to 23. And in verse 17, good teacher, says this man, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, this is the question. 
And then in verse 23, Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Look at the third story where Jesus is talking to the disciples in verse 24 to 31. He says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 26, the disciples say, who then can be saved? Look at the last story, uh, verse 46 to 52, the healing of the blind man. Blind man in verse 47 says, Jesus, he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, David is the king of God's kingdom and Jesus is the greater king that follows David. It's talking about the kingdom. It's coming into God's kingdom. How can we be saved? Have mercy on me. Now sandwiched between those stories, and if you come to Mark drama, you'll know that Mark deals with sandwiches all the time. Sandwiches uh, it, 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 between all of those stories are two points where Jesus talks about him dying on a cross. He's talking about the cross. Verse 45, look. For even the Son of Man, that's him, did not come to serve but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's more than a hint about how you come into the kingdom of God. So what I've been trying to show you is the whole passage is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. How am I saved? How do I find mercy? How do I come into the kingdom of God? Okay, let's slow down a little bit then and look at those stories in turn, briefly. First of all, you receive it like a little child. Verses 13 to 16, you receive it like a little child. Jesus says this, that the kingdom of God belongs to little children. Not because they have merit in themselves, but because they have to receive it like a gift. Now, this is where we go wrong when we interpret this passage. We start saying things like, aren't children lovely? Really? Are they? Most of the time, they're very annoying. Aren't they innocent? Really? They can be nasty, spiteful things. Aren't they kind and trusting? Really? Have you ever been to a playground recently and seen what children get up to? It's like World War III, isn't it? You know, the, if you, <laughs> I watch our Monday tots uh, that we have at our church on, uh, every Monday morning, you see deliberate marching across the room, a little, you know, a little Putin marching across the room to grab the toy that someone else has and marches back, and then you see little Zelenskys firing things all over the place. It's like World War III out there. This has got nothing to do with the characteristics of children, or that we see, the characteristics of children, humble, trusting. It's to do with their position at the time this was spoken. And their position at the time that it was spoken is that they were unimportant. And you see that because the, because the disciples wouldn't let them come to Jesus. They let the rich man come to Jesus but not the children. It's not supposed characteristics of children that you've got to take on. It's 
the position that they have in society, which is they have no rights. They have no position. They're helpless. They're unimportant. They're dependent. They don't earn their living. They receive everything. That's children. How do I enter the kingdom of God? Come like a little child. You're unimportant. The world isn't all about you. It's only grace, riches at God's expense. You don't bring anything. You're not important. You come as a child. Look at verse 15. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. There's a wonderful, wonderful illustration in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It's quite vivid, actually, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 16. And it's, let me read a bit of it. It's, it's very graphic. And this is God speaking about his people, how he found them. Listen, listen to what it is. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water or made clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or compassion, enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, listen, you were thrown out into the open field. For on that day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and I saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said, live. And I made you grow up like a plant of the field. And you grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Do you see what you're saying there vividly? God is saying, when I looked at you, you were just an abortion. You, you, you had no, nothing. But I said, live. I said, live. And brought you in. And ministered to you and made you into my child. So do you come to God with a sense of importance? Because you can't come to God like that. It's not God you come to. Not the God of the Bible. How do you answer that question? If you were to die tonight and God said to you, why should, you let, why should I let you into heaven? Would you say, well, I, I go to Emmanuel Church. <laughs> I mean... I've, I've always gone to church. I'm just a nice person. I mean, everybody knows me in the neighbourhood. Jesus says, you can only come into the kingdom if you know you are a nothing and have no right to be there. No right whatsoever. And that's why he's indignant, and it's the word indignant, it's a very strong word, when the disciples are trying to stop children come to him. He's angry because he's saying, you're putting yourself better than them. You come to me and you're stopping children. The rich man can come to me, but you're stopping children. And that's why as a church, we've got to make sure we're not like that. We're not stopping people coming to us because they think we're better. Now, there's wonderful truth in this, isn't there? Because nobody's like you, 
failures, dependence, come to him like little children. I wonder if it's why God sort of makes us little dependent children, then we grow up and think we know everything, and then suddenly old age hits and we're becoming just like little children again, needy and dependent, just to remind us. We need God and his grace. That's the first point. Second point then, let's hurry up, um, is, is come empty-handed. So come as little children, but come empty-handed. Um, look at uh, this story of this rich young bloke in uh, verses 17 to 22. So we read it. There he is. Um, and in a sense, Mark has placed this story here to make the same point that I've just said, or rather the opposite of that point, to, to, to rub this in so we, so we actually get it. If anyone's deserving of coming to God, this bloke is. I mean, really is. He's, he's really top bloke. You want this bloke as your neighbour. He's rich, that's nice. Uh, he's really good. He's a really good bloke. I mean, really good man. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, no one stops him coming to Jesus because he's important and rich, because he's achieved. But not only that, he's not only rich and achieved, look how he comes to Jesus. Massive respect. Verse 17, he fell on his knees before Jesus. He calls him good teacher. Yeah? Massive respect for Jesus. Yeah? And then, look, uh, he's concerned for spiritual things. Eternal life, verse 17. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And not only that, he's serious about morality, living morally in this world. Verse 20, he talks about the Ten Commandments. He says, all these I have kept since I was with you. There's a funny hum thing, is that right? Is that, can you hear that or is it just me? Just me, okay. I'll put up with it then. So all these things I've kept, and no one says, you know, no, you didn't. It, it, this bloke's got great credentials. If anyone's going to walk into the kingdom of God, it's this bloke. He's rich, he's achieved, he's respectful, he's interested in spiritual things, he's morally good. Good bloke, yeah? Yeah? Having said that, he's still a little unsure. Is there something I've forgotten? And so he comes to Jesus, the good teacher. Jesus, is there anything I should do? Tell me what it is and I'll do it. So he's very optimistic about himself. All he needs is education and then he'll be able to do it. Tell me what to do and I will do it. What must I do? Yeah, tell me and I'll get on with it. Now, Jesus mentions the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are in two blocks, as you probably know. The first four that are to do with God, our attitude to God, and the second to do with the way we treat people. They're the two great commandments that Jesus says. He puts them into two camps. Love the Lord your God. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What's the second greatest commandment? The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the two blocks of commandments. Jesus mentions the first, uh, uh, the, the second block of commandments. He does that not because we are meant to look at the second block of commandments, how we treat people and think we're good. The whole point of the commandments is to show us up. 
But this bloke thought he had done pretty well. And he probably had done pretty well. All these I've obeyed since I was a child. Yeah? That second block of commandments. All of them I've obeyed since I was a child. And Jesus doesn't argue with him. Because, okay, look, the first great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you have broken the first commandment, forget the second. Doesn't matter about the second, you've broken the first commandment. But he's done it the other way around. Second commandment, love the neighbor as yourself. Oh, I've done that. So then Jesus says, okay, let's deal with the first one. Give up everything. Verse 21. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. You called me good teacher. No one is a good teacher except God. You're treating me as God. You've fallen at my feet. You want to hear now God speak to you. God says this. Love me before you love anything else in your life. All your achievements, everything you've ever done, all the money that you've gained, all the good works that you've ever done. Do you love me? And the bloke, we're told, goes away sad. He's broken the first commandment. It doesn't matter whether you've obeyed the second. He's not loved God. He's not listened to God. He's not listened to the great teacher. There's something about his achievements, and his money shows this. There's something about, look, I've achieved this, that he wouldn't give up to follow God. And he goes away sad. I'm told that the way that you catch a, a, a monkey and I'm sure you've heard this before, is that you put some peanuts in a jar. And you put it in a jar, and then you tie the jar to the tree. And the monkey can get its hand in like that to get the peanuts. And it grabs the peanuts, and it's got a fist. And then it can't pull its hand out of the jar, because it's got a fist. If it would let go of the peanuts, it would get its hand out. But it won't, because it's got the peanuts. And then you catch the monkey. I don't know how true that is. We could try it down in Kingston. I'm sure you could catch something other than the monkey. Um, but, you know, uh, that's what happens, isn't it? Can't get it out. Can't let it out. This man would not let go of his idols, of his own achievement. In order to come to the kingdom of God, you come empty-handed. In order to come to the kingdom of God, you come like a little child. I haven't got anything in my hand anyway. There's an old song, isn't there? Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Third thing, though, third thing here, is that you come to the God of the impossible. You see that in the conversation in verses 23 to 27? You, you come and receive the kingdom of God like a child. You don't deserve it. You come empty-handed. It's not to do with what, who you are and what you've done. You come to the God that can do what no one else can do. Look how impossible it is for you or anyone to enter the kingdom of God. Look what he says in verse 24 and 25. He calls his followers children. Lots of stuff we could deal with that. In, in what we've just heard, but no time. Children, how hard it is 
to, to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, you may have heard, if you've been in Christian circles, an error. And the error is that there was a little um, sort of uh, gate in the wall in Jerusalem called the eye of a needle and the camel, if it had to go through it, had to take all its luggage off and go through it. it that's nonsense. It's, not, it's, it's probably untrue, almost definitely untrue. But it's the opposite to what Jesus is saying anyway. He's saying it's impossible, not that it's possible, it's impossible. Look, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This is an impossibility. It's impossible for you to go to heaven. You cannot go to heaven. You can't. It's impossible. And if you're rich, which we are in this world, you know, we consider the rest of the world rich. We're in the rich fifth of the world. We're rolling in it. You cannot go to the kingdom of God. No one in England can go to the kingdom of God. No one. No one. No, and then we're in a rich part of England. So there's no way anyone in this room can go to the kingdom of God. It is impossible. It would be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. How, an eye of a needle? How can a camel go through there? The only way I could imagine you get a camel through that little tiny hole in the top of a needle is to mash the camel up uh, and then sort of drop by drop, sort of get it through. But it's not really a camel the other side, is it? It's just a mashed up lump of stuff. Or not a lump. This is impossible. So the disciples, goggle-eyed, say, who can be saved? Look at verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, with people, it, this is impossible. It is impossible but not with God. All things are possible with him. It is impossible for children to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is impossible for rich people like us to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It is impossible for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven. But what is impossible for you is possible for God. Look at verse 33. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. The Son of Man will be betrayed. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law, by the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Why? Why is he doing that? How does that help us? Verse 45. The Son of Man did not come to serve but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. To give his life as a, a ransom, to pay the price. For what? Salvation. To pay the price. Ransom, to buy us, to pay the price. That's what a ransom is. What is impossible for you is possible for God as he sends his darling son, the son of man, the king of the universe, to die for you. To die for you. To buy you, child, rich, camel, <laughs> into the kingdom of God. 
He makes the impossible possible. That's the Christian message, isn't it? We don't go into the world and say, cheer yourself up. We don't go into the world and say, clean yourself up, be religious, start doing some laws and rules. We go into a world and say, you can't, but God can for you. God can save you. And that leads me to my last point. The fourth thing about how you come into the kingdom of God. Come as a little helpless child, non-deserving. Come with empty hands. Come to the God of the impossible, the ransom payer. But fourthly, come and ask for mercy from the king. That last story with blind Bartimaeus, it's a lovely story, isn't it? All these stories, you know, we could spend a sermon on each. What does blind Bartimaeus do? He's blind, but he recognises the king's come to town. And he calls out in a loud voice, have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me. It's actually a term like be mercy seated to me. It takes you right back to your series. Uh, if you're going through Exodus, that when you go finally into the tabernacle, that there is a mercy seat where God meets people, where the blood sacrifices is put on the mercy seat. And God has mercy on us because there is this sacrificial blood. He's crying out, be mercy seated to me, be merciful to me on the basis of what Jesus has come to do as the ransom payer. To hang on a cross, be merciful to me on that basis. Not, not because I deserve anything, just be merciful to me. And that is the joy of the Christian message, isn't it? It's just wonderful. That's the message to take out to people. That's why I want to encourage you to invite friends to Mark Drama, so that they may get out of their mind that it's all about them trying to be good or religious or whatever. Let them hear the whole of Mark. Let them be unsettled by the Mark's words and, and Jesus's words. You come to him like a little child, empty-handed, the God of the impossible and the God that loves mercy. Come to him. And that's the Christian world. That's the Christian message. And what a joy for people like you and me that there's hope in a hopeless case because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, you know everyone in this room. You know all there is about us. You know everything about us. There's nothing we can hide. And you know what we're trusting in. And we pray, please, that you would help us not trust in ourselves, but look to the Lord Jesus and know that liberating message that he can do what is impossible and bring me into the kingdom of God. What a joy. Help us to take that message out, we pray to a lost world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.